Hey all friends, you're listening to General Nerdery's podcast, your hub for everything nerd and beyond. Go ahead and tell me a little bit about it. Well, I think it's a great game. I don't want to talk about it too much because I realize outside of patient gamers, quote fingers, everybody else knows everything about this game for the last, what, five years? Is it, is it five years old already? Close to five years old already. I keep buying games and then thinking, oh, I'm going to play this game soon. And then five years later, I'm like, oh, I I haven't played this game yet. I should play it. I bought it like, what, like six months ago? And then I look and it's, no, it's been five years. I'm Judge Games. This is Shout House. How's it going? Welcome to this podcast. This is technically episode two. Yeah. We're going to put this out maybe at the same time, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. What I wanted to talk about is a couple things here is... We're now on the other side of a pandemic, right? Well, mm-hmm. we're in the middle. I guess we're still in the middle. When we recorded episode one, this was not going on. Wow. This that's was, crazy. During this pandemic, I these companies can't say this, right? But these companies have benefited, only benefited from this. Uh, Wizards of the Coast, Dungeons & Dragons. Games Workshop Games, stock super high. Games Workshop made so much money. During the pandemic, they gave back their stimulus money to the UK government. They're, I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. They're they're also, if I read correctly, and I don't know where I read this, but I read this a couple places. They're the fastest. Jimmy, punch that up for us. <laughs> yeah, right. Wouldn't it be great? There is no Jimmy. There's no Jimmy. We're looking for a Jimmy. Um, Games Workshop is the single fastest growing stock in the fastest growing company in the UK. Wow. Period. Wow. How do I get on the UK Stock Exchange is my next question. You I, know what I mean? How do I scoop up a little bit of that? I don't know. Robin Hood? I don't know anything about investing, but one thing I heard when I was young that really stuck with me was look to invest in products that you actually yourself enjoy and understand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and you know quality within certain things. This is why I really wanted to buy Wendy's stock when I was a kid. Because you love Wendy's? At the time, I really did. <laughs> At the time, when you could still get a 99-cent, gosh dang, fizzle stick, junior bacon gosh cheeseburger, I, I really did. Well, not a, uh, to bring it back to Games Workshop, uh, Please there's, take it away from Wendy's. Some re- yes. there's some recent information that came out. They just had their first, uh, they had the most profitable first half, I think, ever. Ooh. First half of their or first quarter. Listen, much is made about the recent, and I mean recent, right? Last five, ten years, whatever, mainstreaming of D&D. Right. Right? So I think we're seeing Warhammer. I think we're going to, and I think conceivably, right, you could see more products follow that same way, you know? How much does um, something like Heroclix benefit from YouTube, benefit from Twitch, benefit from unboxing videos? Yeah. You know, any of these, everything is potentially mainstream. Everything is waiting to tip all the time. It's about accessibility. When you put it on YouTube, there's no risk, right? Previous yeah. to this, previous to that, that the you know the internet and really making this stuff open. Um, even even when the internet started and you were really looking at things, uh, you're still looking at communities you had to get into, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you weren't accepted or felt accepted there. You weren't going to get into it, but YouTube is one way. 
I don't ever have to worry about what's how somebody feels about people me. People have been mean to me in the comments section, though. Shout house. They've been mean to me a lot in the comics, but if that's it, that's if you're a creator. But if you're not a creator and you're not paying oh, attention, I meant, I meant as a civilian. Oh well. <laughs> people have been mean to me. You, you don't have to interact. With well, shit. That, you if you haven't been uh, sorry, if you haven't been on the uh, been someone been mean to you on the internet, have you even been on the internet? Truly, I just today had some things go on mm. i bought a couch and people are saying this couch is ugly and i'm not seeing it and some guy said oh man this would look really great in a double wide mm. and i was mm -hmm. like oh that's not a nice thing to that say that drove it home for you yeah mm. well i responded with what well, it wouldn't fit in your single wide mm. yeah mm. but then he came back and it, it just went right over his head and he's like oh just yeah just like right down the street with my the like broken down Chevy or something. I was like, damn it, you need to be upset. <laughs> if you can, okay, this is old stuff too, but verbal judo, man. Like half the time when I'm good at not getting into conflict with people in real life more so than the internet. Yeah. Um, it's because I'm doing Neo from the Matrix on the roof. I'm just refusing to let any of their little jabs land, you know? And boy, if you're with somebody who's a heavy jabber mm -hmm. and you can do that dodge move, boy, do they get upset. Oh, it's true. And I find myself, uh, re, you know, re-hitting back, and mm -hmm. then they go into Keanu on the roof in the Matrix, and that's annoying to me. But regardless, tabletop, we we saw this coming. We didn't see the pandemic coming, but Bro, we saw the the, mm -hmm. the change of the landscape. Ten years ago, I was talking to my therapist, and I was telling him how much I enjoyed D and D in general, and you know. We're, we're going to do this, but definitely when I say D&D, I'm usually meaning tabletop RPGs Yeah, in a little bit broader of a sense. But I was telling him how passionate I was about this, how it was like one of the only things that I really, really, really dug, and how I do think I have a uh, honorary PhD in <laughs> theoretical Pathfinder First Edition. But, you know, that was that was 10 years ago. You know what I mean? And I was talking about that, and I should have been a little bit on that front wave if I was a guy who was who had a board and knew how to paddle and get on it. How'd your therapist respond to that? Like very enthusiastically. He's very supportive, Wayne. Okay. I actually I think of Wayne a lot and uh, I haven't seen him in like six years, but I think about uh, Wayne. Well that's cool. I think that he was like Mr. Rogers. Oh. He was like a leather elbow patch sweater nerd guy. You know what I mean? Oh, and he yeah. wasn't he wasn't a D and D nerd guy. But Wayne was a man who had definitely been shoved into some lockers during his lifetime, so he could understand where I was coming from. Where do we find these, I want to say elderly, but I feel like that's almost an insult to the intelligence of these people. I had this amazing uh, therapist who was very old, and I'm talking very old, and the only reason I stopped seeing her is because I'm fairly certain she died. They mm -hmm. called me to tell me, oh, she won't be able to take your appointment. Oh, She's wow. not... She's not coming into the office, and mm -hmm. then I never heard again. So, yeah, but that was the most supportive, you know, conversation I think I ever had with a therapist was with her. This might be us digressing in a certain way here, but I think like everything in life, you your first attempt with a therapist is like a first date. You know what I mean? It needs to be an evaluation process. Nobody. You shouldn't go in and, and feel like you're stuck with the first person you sit down with for a guitar lesson. So why would you go in and sit down and feel like you're stuck with the first person you go into to be your like spiritual, emotional mechanic? Isn't that crazy? Okay, so for me, 
it's because I walk in there and I feel beholden to that person. Mm-hmm. Like I'm there for them for some reason. And I don't know why I feel yeah. this. Yeah. I think that a lot of us, feel, I know my, I know my wife feels this way. Mm-hmm. That's something else that happened during, since the last time we recorded was that I got married. Well, Mazel Tov, congratulations. Right. In retro. So now, so uh, yeah, I, I know she does that. She's mm-hmm. all, always there trying to appease or please her therapist or her sure, psychiatrist sure. or whatever. And that's not And that is how Mrs. Shouthouse kind of operates, though. You know what I mean? That's yeah. a character trait that she has. And it's not an easy thing, but... Translate to that Translate that to a Pathfinder trait. Um, Gosh, I don't know. I'm a little bit out of the game. I'm a little <laughs> bit rusty on Pathfinder First Edition. I haven't been thinking about it. Roll to... <laughs> roll a... Roll to appease. Yeah. Roll a servility check. How's that? Okay, this makes me think of something. So you're really good at diving in and getting real deep with the theory and how the RPG mechanics work, I find. Uh, Builds, yeah. 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 Well, also just like knowing... Pathfinder is there for build synergies, though. I mean... I have a habit, and it kind of scares me. And it kind of... I think it's partially why I, I start big... I start these things, and then I can't help but... I create worlds. So... I've started the campaign for uh, 5e for my my nephew and my family that mm-hmm. we're going to do. It's nautical kind of. I might get to play in this as kind of like, not like so much a plant, but like the veteran <laughs> vibe. And I am going to be the best veteran hands-off vibe because what I'm excited about is taking like the forever DM mindset that I have and just being like, oh man, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to be the hands-off like, Captain America, like, you go get that guy kind of vibe. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I want to do. It's like me really... Uh, the problem where I find is that I get three trillion ideas at the same time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I'm building this world, but then I'm starting to make it too deep. Mm-hmm. So yep. tell me if you think this is a good way of going, going through this is that I've realized that I'm going to do that. That's going to happen. I'm you not going to. kind gonna, of accept that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if I just kind of create missions mm-hmm. that I kind of, I go, okay, well, this is mission one. Hopefully, mission one takes me through one or two sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I need to, by at least the first session, know where I'm going to be and start really working on session two and maybe look at session three. Maybe outline this. Like, this is the goal. This mm-hmm. is the overarching thing. But then- well, and to give people an idea, you have run a couple sessions here and there. You've, you've yeah. introduced people to like the D&D 5e starter box. Right. You haven't so much run um, any kind of campaign. I haven't run a full and, and definitely not a custom. And I will tell you, I am the king of running campaigns that last about three sessions. It feels like sometimes. <laughs> and then something happens. I mean, oh, one of these last ones was uh, Fiddlesticks, gosh dang, COVID. Yeah. So that's... Um, yeah, that's what it was. Dodge. That's a hard one to dodge. We were playing and then we it had all finally happened. gotten to the point where like we'd had everybody around the table once or twice, you know, and we were starting to get some understanding of, of who everybody was and how they felt about stuff and get the dang story just rolling down the hill. And then uh, my wife, who was playing in it, and I both hit the covid and that was the second time that was the second time the first pandemic thing was uh, when it first started. We were yeah, playing. We were playing yeah. Curse of Strahd. I got I got bit by we got bit by um, 
just general social distancing becoming something we had to do. And then actually me and my wife uh, getting COVID. Yeah. So you got, you got twice. Yeah. What is it like? What we call this uh, RPG blocked by, <laughs> yeah. or you know, uh, session blocked by COVID twice. Because mm-hmm. yeah. the other one was, it's it's hard to run online sessions for D and D. Gosh, I am because I'm older school. I guess because I have much more experience doing it in person, offline. I do not find online as satisfying. I'm not. I don't you think can you do did. it. It can be done. Yeah, people. You know? I don't. I I don't. I get bored because it's hard to keep interest. I think. I think one of the number one things, and it's hard to keep that kind of like human monitoring thing. You know what I mean? If you've got five people sitting around a table, and one guy busts his phone out and he's kind of fooling around on his phone, you can achieve a certain level of social cues and social pressure that let that guy know that hey, you know, maybe not. Maybe maybe you don't need to be checking your Tinder right. or your Bumble or your Grinder or whatever <laughs> it is, you know. Where uh, yeah, online it's a lot harder. It's harder for me to be doing those little micro check ins with people and understanding who's actually there and who's not. Um, I did during COVID one thing I tried to do, and we had reasonable success with it. Was we did um, we did just purely over voice. We did a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles RPG. Oh little kind of campaign. You guys with, didn't do any video on that? Guys. Uh, you know, we tried to do the video a few times and this is me. This is my bad. I was having a hard time getting the video to go on discord. So there was oh. one time when they were all on video and I was like a blank, a blank screen, which was kind of actually cool mystique for a DM because in this weird instance, yeah. I only knew one of those guys like in real life. So those two other guys, I am still this, I hope cool, but mysterious figure. I, you know what I mean? I actually kind of like that as a, not a gimmick, but an actual way to go about it. Mm. You're the narrator, mm-hmm. right? So you not having a face may not actually be all that bad. Yeah. I think there are some pros to it. Yeah. You, it may be even, you know, maybe pretty easy to uh, do, you know, role play, mm-hmm. uh, easy to, to put a face to a, to a voice that you're doing or whatever. I think that might actually be, if I were to do that, I think that would actually be the way to go. Make everybody else show because they're the party. They're in the world. Mm-hmm. But you're yeah. not in the world. So, yeah. you know, and if you really wanted to inform character, right, you could show a picture of your character. You know, like, oh, this is Bill. You got a picture of Bill. You put him up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was actually pretty fun because on this little Discord that we had, these guys were like, one of the guys was posting like his quick sketch art of his character. And oh, that's that, fun. That's always a fun thing, you know, because yeah. what is one of the number one things that as a DM you are looking for, right? What is the thing that you are most hungry for? And it is engagement. I was going to say engagement, engagement, but I, I didn't want to be wrong. I hate that. Like <laughs> the teacher's like, what is it? And I'll just let somebody else answer. I like know. to think I don't lord my uh, theoretical PhD honorary theoretical phd in pathfinder one over anybody because i've I've run games but um i i'm aware of what i don't know you know what i mean and it's that that's an important skill to have i've been using my knowledge of game theory Mm -hmm. video game theory and I, i actually tabletop gaming theory i've created my own board game before to try to find a way to create agency, but also guide. Dude, dude, structure. Because mm-hmm. a thing I've done many times, many times, it took me a lot to get out of this, was the idea of 
sandbox, you know, the mm. idea of agency, the idea of trying to avoid railroading. But this is a thing I come back to a lot. A lot of terminology, I think, in D&D, tabletop RPGs in general, is kind of overly seen as a binary sometimes. You know, people talk about railroading. Don't railroad. But you know what? Like, structure is not railroading. Right. And the mistake I kept making, and this is where this is where it is cool sometimes to play with people that you are good friends with, that you have good trust with, or, you know, with a spouse, man, if you can get to the point where you've got that good relationship and I got feedback from different people, I got feedback from you, I got feedback from my wife playing in some of these campaigns where they were like, you're giving new people to the game not enough structure. You're presenting a scenario and then you're giving them that that ultimate DM question, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And without enough direction you know what i mean to the point where for me you know just a difference in my personality i think i don't think it's certainly being the dm the guy who's got everything in your brain and written everything is a factor right but my gosh i was making the campaigns for me you know what i mean for for me as a player and me as a player is not it's not a new person as a player i get that you know how do you like this this is this is um First mission, I'm not going to tell you much about it. Actually, you're not even, your character's not in this first mission yet. So, well, and I've got great selective knowledge. (laughs) I mean, I've got good separation of what I know and what they, what he knows. Uh, Their first actual, they're going to be, they're going to get together and then they're going to have to flee Mm -hmm. and use stealth to get back to, or to get to the docks, which they'll be meeting up with you Mm -hmm. because you're their getaway. So, I'm going to actually physically create a, the city, okay, so that they see where they are mm-hmm. and how line of sight will would, would work. I'm what do you to mean physically them. create the city? You're going to actually do this in miniature yeah, or you're going to do this in a virtual tabletop or – No, when we actually do this, I'm going to build – I'm going to build this like city idea of this like – I like to call them stick cities – Basically, they're built on each other, built on each other, built up. Because in this world... It's nautical, right? It's, yeah. It's well, heavily... They're on islands, but they're walled in because the world is very harsh. Mm-hmm. So any city anywhere that's been settled and is safe... You need is, walls. Yes. So instead of building out, they're building mm-hmm. up and on top of each other. A little bit like like the visual I guess I'm getting is Lake Town. Yes. In um, very Desolation Lake Town. of Smaug. Yeah. Okay. But... Instead of being this, this city is not on the water. Mm-hmm. This one is on an island, and then they got to get to the docks. There are some cities that built out on the water. Mm-hmm. Waterworld probably also cool visuals. Waterworld's great. Yeah, that's good. Um, we could do a whole different thing on Waterworld. The score is incongruous with what's happening on the film. Where's but- this? Where? What city did they first get to when they're running away in the first movie of, of Lord of the Rings? Bree. Bree. I'm pretty sure it's Bree. Bree, but like stacked. They go to That's like, what I wanted to feel They go to like. like the Brandywine Ferry or something. Yeah. I just watched these movies. I'm going to watch them soon because I got them on. My wife makes me watch, um, and not makes, you know what I mean? But, yeah. But it's important to her to watch Lord of the Rings, like super mega prestige edition. Did like you pop those Blu-rays in yet? Not yet. No. Yeah, it's no. going to look a lot better. Is that where you were looking for an HDMI well, cable? We were, we were going back and forth because we didn't realize at first that HBO Max has them all. Oh, yeah. You know, Hell HBO, yeah. HBO has them all right now. And we were watching her like like collector's edition, but like old DVDs. Right. Like they, they did not want to be on modern TVs. On the HBO Max, do they have the extended? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, they Hell do. yeah. Just yeah. Watch, unless you're watching like higher, higher quality, like I'm doing the 4K remasters. Mm-hmm. I would just watch that. 
But actually, and now don't let me divert you if you got more uh, on your on your train of thought. Here. My idea is to utilize the actual physical, just to come back to the, the mm-hmm. first mission, utilize the physical angles and alleyways to where you're going to have to be rolling stealth checks. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to kind of handle this like a battle, but so that there is initiative. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. there's, you know, and then if you actually do get caught, you fight. Now, I want to say two things. One, this is somewhat utilizing things that you've been learning as we've been finding out about tabletop war games. Yes. Like Kill Team, like Warhammer. Mm. This is, I feel like that's part of where you're getting some of this. It's this, it's that, it's it's um me being somebody who... Some people hate what they call set pieces in video games, right? Mm -hmm. It's a set piece. Call of Duty is like one set piece after another set piece. Mm -hmm. Um, Minecraft doesn't have set pieces, right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, um, It goes back to structure. It goes back to how much structure is there, how much is free form. Yeah, so I figure I'm going to set this up with a set piece, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to have a really strong intro. You're going to have a cutscene. Yeah. Yeah. We're having a, an yeah. interactive cutscene here, mm-hmm. basically, is how I'm going to yeah. treat this. To start a game, of course. And then at the end, I'm literally timing it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in turn, in game turns, where they're waiting for you to get to the dock. They see you mm-hmm. in your boat, but they have to fend off whatever is coming after them mm-hmm. and get to the dock. So if they succeed in being stealthy all the way to that point... Mm-hmm. If the dice are kind... Yes, they... I will. I'm going to keep track of how far away some of those things are, some of those guys are. Now, and I do think that this is interesting too, because one of the things that I try to do, especially with newer players, is how do you introduce different game mechanical concepts? Okay, so this might be a cool way for you to get stealth kind of just understood and on the board with them. Right, and yeah. and it's in and now uh, maybe I, a small piece of battle here or there hopefully i honestly hope they stealth all the way through the city mm-hmm. that would be the most fun but then 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 and you being the dm having it all kind of thought about ahead of time like what happens when a stealth check gets failed mm-hmm. you know what i mean is that okay now we have to either speed flee or try to take out like one or two guardsmen right and yeah, exactly that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I'm trying to think this is where this starts getting complicated in my head. And I might just wing it a little bit to see how it feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if they're struggling, I'm not going to be like, oh, he sounds a horn, you know. But so I, I'm going to try to feel it out. I don't want to pigeonhole into mm-hmm. it too much. But the idea of it is hopefully causes urgency, causes a little bit of excitement. And and gets that buy-in, that engagement. Right. You know what I mean? Gets that suspension of disbelief. All those things, mm-hmm. yeah. What is it? Versimilitude. Yeah. It's a great word. Versimilitude. Versimilitude. Well, and it actually kind of went into where I was thinking about trying to take us, which is kind of, you know, what's influencing you? You know what I mean? Where are you getting ideas from? Because another thing, you're talking about stealth, and what I've been playing a lot lately is um, Middle Earth, Shadow of War. Mm-hmm. Um, the sequel. Yeah, the to- sequel to Shadow over Mordor. Right, right, right. Um. And man, for stealth, you know, like that would probably give you a lot of good design mechanical ideas. You know what I mean? Guys up in a tower. You know what right. I mean? Uh, guys up in a tower. How do we do that differently from guys around the corner? You know? Yeah. And that should give them a good idea about space and movement and stuff too. So I like that. Yeah. You know? If you if you create when you're in your alleys and stuff, like kind of those line of sight blocking little pieces that Warhammer terrain wants right requires. i'm basically yeah i'm basically using <laughs> i am going to use that kind of mechanic that, that it's not really in D. there's no line of sight 
as far as seeing seeing like there's there is cover and there is obscuring and you know i'm not i'm not the most facile with dnd 5e specifically so right. i don't know how they do light levels um some games yeah. do have those kind of mechanics and some I, some don't i think that might be a good idea too oh man light levels Oh, there's a lamp on there. Then mm-hmm. it gives them even more inter- could could they have dude, somebody take out the lamp? Dude, introducing those ideas for interactive terrain bits and ideas. You know, do you remember uh this was the the, the Strahd campaign we did? I tried to set up a thing where that there was, was gonna be a fight with uh like like deep, deep dwarves, and they were gonna be very, very nocturnal, very, very not in the sun. And all I really had to do, I loved that the players picked up on this was I let them understand that there were torches and there were, um, like, a, I forget, I think the set piece I gave was a hay cart or something like that. And the players did, I forget who did oh, it, yeah. but I tried to emphasize that it was dark. I tried to emphasize, I forget how I laid the groundwork, but the main set piece was just like a a, a hay cart or something. Right. And the guys, the guys playing, you were there, did take that bait and create this huge towering inferno in the middle of the town and kind of use that as the way where they kept the fight in that light radius. Right, because so, it, the, the the dwarves can't uh, enter the light they're, or they're light sensitive or I, something. I think, I think how I did it mechanically, and I don't remember how much I made this transparent for you guys, but I made them, they, they were at disadvantage in 5e when they were in the brighter light That's what created was, okay. by the fire. So we then stayed in there and then if they came in, mm-hmm. it put us at an advantage. That was supposed to be a really hard fight. That was and then an it insane wasn't. fight. Well, this is a hallmark of my DMing and GMing is that I set up fights that I think are going to be really cool. And then somehow through player cleverness or dice rolls, um, usually they aren't that epic when we actually, <laughs> when the dice hit the table. Oh, but you know what killed me about that? Just weird random things. Uh, one of our guys was a barbarian who was an axe, hammer, two-handed kind of barbarian. Right. And I think I described at least once how cool the axe was that the dark, deep dwarf leader guy had. Nobody ever looted that body. Which is so strange for the characters I was playing. Mm-hmm. Because I was looting a live You were bodies. kind of a ninja loot kind of... What were you, a rogue in that one? Uh, I the other day that happened in the middle of the night... I heard my ring fall off my nightstand. It go ding, ding, ding. And I couldn't find it for two and a half weeks, three weeks. Oh. It was in my closet. Mm. Somehow got under the door in my closet. Weird. Anyway, Weird. Uh, no, uh, I yeah, uh, was I rogue? No, I played. You were the bard. You were, uh, bard. You were a ninja loot kind of bard. You were, yeah. Every, every room you went into, you were like, is there anything valuable on the walls that I could pry off of here? I mean, because I was a smarmy bard. You got to have a character trait, you know. Yeah, so. it was like. One of the traits I think my character trait was like when I look into a room, I know all the exits and I know where everything is. Mm-hmm. You know how, how much money could a bard <clears throat> actually make? I figured always trying to make more. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, you know, record contracts are hard to come by. Um, oh, oh, okay. So, so steer me in a different way if this flow vibe isn't good. But on the whole idea of where do you find inspiration? Where do you take ideas from? For your own mental, you know, gumbo that you end up producing, whether that's novels or just just straight world building. I think a lot of people engage in just world building purely as a practice. Yeah. You know, anymore um, or or for a campaign. But uh, I heard this Black Sabbath song today from the era in which Ronnie James Dio was their front man and not Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, OK. Called Evil Lady. 
and uh, I actually had the the lyrics pulled up for a minute, but it, it, it it's it's just it's setting this scene. You know, they're like south of the valley of witches, and I'm not gonna sing the song right, yeah, but like but- <laughs> south of the valley of witches is a land where the wind never blows, and I am now obsessed for this moment the way we get micro obsessed. But I yeah. really I really want to try to do some kind of um small campaign or scenario or just an area for an existing campaign uh that is gonna have all these elements because they, they they go on from there you know what you know i mean it would be just incredible uh it would be amazing to have an episode of something where you got ronnie james dio and whoever else is in, was in the band i don't did any of them die i don't know who's, don't, who's alive well, and who's if they, dead if they were and then had them play the campaign with you that you created out of their song. I mean, I probably geezer Butler roll initiative. Yeah. You know, I don't know if the, that's, I mean, imagine playing dungeons and dragons with Ozzy. Well, I, you know, <laughs> I am a guy who is not above any kind of idea rips. So I've had orc shamans named Bozzy Bosborn before. I was and on they that one. Like this, you know, like Sharon. Sharon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So well, I'm bloody, I'm bloody, bloody, sorry you can't help but want to do it yeah I'm 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 not above stealing anything and I love um I love synergies I love to find synergies and I got to tell you playing Shadow of War playing Middle Earth Shadow of War is making me mad that I don't own any Games Workshop orcs because to see that there the engine is pretty good like there yeah. are a few a few things that aren't great about it I think I've killed enough orcs seen enough orc captains in these games that like uh the the they didn't have to make them enough first names the random generator is like running out of first names for me already oh geez okay and and that that is kind of a hole because like sometimes it'll be like stukas the dark you know what i mean and then something will happen he'll level up while you're not engaged with him and then he'll come back and he'll be like stukas the like less dark you know i can't think of anything yeah but you know what i mean he'll come back as stukas the some other adjective which is awesome, but then you go to a different region and there's just a different Stukas altogether, unrelated to the previous Stukas. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, just like, mm. I mean, how creative could orcs really get, though? It's like humans are, there's like eight trillion of them named John, so. You know, that is really fair. That's really yeah. fair. That's legit. And we have, and we're supposed to be all, mm-hmm. you know, smartsy, smartsy, so. And what orcs brains are not great. You know, that's the thing I could talk about, though. That's the thing I could talk at length about, I think. Um, just the current kind of social shifting that we're seeing where we are bringing some social justice kind of ideas into I our fantasy I wanted to talk stuff. about this. I wanted to you talk know? about this and, a little bit. And, you know, politically, like, I am all about these things. You know what I mean? I'm all about social justice. I'm all about um, equality. Yeah. And... and it is a thing that's worth discussing. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like we as 21st century, relatively principled, relatively woke humans um, are, are, for some reason, not really wanting to accept the idea that any kind of different entities can be different in terms of their capabilities from other things. Now, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think my issue is... is, is... I'm not married to the past. I'm not married. To I am a little bit married to the past. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm, be aware of that. I'm all good with change. I don't like shoehorning things in uh, uh, virtue signaling. And I don't like um, disingenuous 
sure. Editions. It, it is all about is it is this is this a real thing? You know what yeah. I mean? Is this is this a company like? And we're just picking on Wizard of the Coast because that's the context. Well, is it yeah. is it a company sincerely going? Okay, we're listening to what you're saying, and we we agree with you. You know, we don't have enough time in modern times sometimes to sit down and have the dialogue. You know what I mean? The the wind blows a certain way, and if it blows hard enough, we see corporations flip over. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You don't you don't watch a lot of sports, but the NFL and its social justice stuff is pretty disingenuous from a corporate level. You know what I mean? Do the players care? Do the coaches care? Yeah. I, I mean, that's an individual human thing. Does the NFL give a dang about social justice? No. It absolutely does not. Well, it's impacting did, their bottom let, line. They'd let, uh, what's Colin his name? Yeah, yep, yeah. They, and he, so. Yeah, they, they showed how they really felt about it when money wasn't, when their money wasn't impacted. They showed us that for the last, like, five years. Right. With that guy. So, Take it back to D&D, okay? We, as woke, principled, good, quote fingers good, people don't want to accept that different people have different capabilities. You know what I mean? And that has always been one of the cool things about D&D, fantasy, tabletop games in general, every benefit comes with a trade-off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Old school D&D, you take a plus one to an attribute, you're taking a minus one to an ability score somewhere else, you know? And that was how balance was maintained, okay? An orc is stronger than a human. An orc is less intelligent than a human. Now, intelligence is probably the trickiest thing of all, right? Because the biology of a separate species is is hard for us to know. You know what I mean? Because we don't have any examples of a by golly separate species, yeah. you know, that is intelligent, that has a culture, you know? Right. And and I have in my crazy D and D brain spent a lot of time thinking about uh, the the ecology of different things, how a fantasy entity would exist in the real world. You know, a halfling, be a halfling, be a hobbit for real for a minute, be three feet tall, with what we understand about the attendant like physical limitations of that. You know, right? You're a little dude. You're you can you can run as you cannot run as fast when you're three feet tall. Given what we generally know about biology and physics, you know, unless unless halflings have some sixth gear that most other bipedal carbon based fantasy species don't have. Yeah, they've got some sort of <laughs> tendon that shoots yeah. them forward or something. Yeah, yeah. no, unless I'm, they have elastic kangaroo uh, Achilles tendons. Yeah, you know. So, what is it? What are we? It's 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 hard. You know, um, it goes it goes to to a little bit of the old ideas of. Creatures that didn't used to be player character races. Okay. And that, that's a tough one too. We're, we're ingrained to use the term race for different fantasy when we should have, if we would have been thinking species. 40 years ago, it's a species. Yeah. It's not a race. It's a species, you know? Right. But then you get into two, my gosh, I didn't think about this before, so I'm not ready on this topic, but interbreedability, you know, interbreedability is kind of one of the things that denotes uh, species walls. You know, there are not that many things in our understanding of biology that are cross-species fertile. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like horses and donkeys make like a burrow or something like that. Tigers and lions actually can make a liger, you know? Right. But outside but those of... Are, but they're in the same... Those are few and far between. And they're in the same examples. family of species, though. Well, they're in the same know. genus or something, but they're yeah. not the same species because species is so specific. Right. Generally. So genus, mm -hmm. but yeah, like the fact that dogs, the fact that every single domestic dog you see is technically the same dang species is kind of yeah mind blowing <laughs> in a way, you know. That, that Saint Bernard and that Chihuahua, 
if you can get the Chihuahua on the stepladder, and this is another one where I'm taking us out of our kid-friendly podcast, maybe, but you yeah. put the Chihuahua on the stepladder and give him a push, and you can have St. Bernard Chihuahua babies come out of it. I've got to look that up. It's a thing. I mean, it's, it's so, conceivable. Okay, it's, for me, uh, d- d- what has been the issue with orcs, though? I guess maybe I missed that one because it didn't annoy me if it happened. Like, what? Well, who is complaining about orcs, and what are the changes to that intelligence? Well, did they decide like orcs are just as intelligent? Because that doesn't. Well, and make you know any what? Sense. To be to be fair, I didn't read. I think they made those changes in Tasha's Cauldron. Okay. I think they made those changes in Tasha's Cauldron. But that's Cauldron. official. Those are printed. They have the Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons my, logo. My big takeaway was that they were taking intelligent penalties, intelligence score penalties out of the mix. And then I thought there was also something about kind of just making it a little more freeform so that orcs and half orcs would not be taking an intelligence penalty. And then though also that small races would not necessarily have to take a strength penalty. Okay, now we're just and you yeah, know, you know, it's, it's you're, disingenuous. You're, you're not you're, you're, you're muddying the waters too much. You're, to me, from a mechanic standpoint, exactly. You're, a, you're remo- why don't we all just? Why don't we take away all of the the species? We'll call them. Why don't we take them all away and everybody's just a blob well, in Dungeons know, and Dragons? And then we all have the exact same attributes. Mm-hmm. And- there are different games that that do it differently. You know what I mean? Like um, it, it it is one of those things for me um, that so many people only know about D anD D, and I understand that that is just a, a natural thing that happens. Right. You know, but um, uh, GURPS. GURPS. GURPS is a crazy system. I forget what it stands for. Generic Universal Role-Playing System. Yes. Now, GURPS is what the special ability score attributes from Fallout are based on. Right, right, right. I know this. If you go all the way back to Fallout 1, Fallout 1 was modeled off of the GURPS system. I think they had a deal that fell through to actually, like, license it. And then when it didn't, they had to do some machinery in the background. But the way GURPS works is you create your character with a, a pool of points, okay? You don't, it's not, it's not D&D where you and I both go through a, a checklist and we have to select something from the race species column and something from the class column. Right. That is a, a system that's a little more freeform where you and I both have the same amount of points. That's how we keep the game balance. But then you are buying perks with your points and you are also, though, getting points back if you want to take some, I forget what they call them in GURPS specifically, but disadvantage. Right. But so, you, so you can choose kind of any race or species and then you're just buying your stuff or is there nothing? Well, I suppose some of the species might come with different trade-offs, too, in a game like that. Okay. But, I mean, in um, it, it's not class-based. It's it's point by based into your skills and into your capabilities. So too. something else I was thinking about isn't... Um, <clears throat> uh, Shadowrun, that doesn't treat orcs in Shadowrun as like less intelligent. Yes, they are. They are in Shadowrun. Yes, they are. But do they? Don't they have some sort of advantage to like magic or something? I don't remember how this one works. Um, I I'm not uh, up to date on Shadowrun, but Shadowrun did have. Um, I think they had caps. Okay. Okay. So that if you were an orc, you could still pursue. Don't hold me to this. Anybody who actually plays Shadowrun, it's been a long time. Uh. You could still pursue the things that other more intelligent race, species, characters could, but you were capped. Mm-hmm. You could never get intelligence above a, a six, you know? And a human, though, could never get intelligence above a seven. And then elves could get into, like, say, an what eight. I think it blows my mind is that no one's making you play an orc. Here's the thing. When you when you switch it into things like half-orc, okay... 
when you switch into something like half orc or half elf, then sure. You know what I mean? And that's that's kind of what um D&D 5e and Pathfinder were doing with those floating ability score mods. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you're getting this plus two, put it where you want it, you know? But uh, I don't know. I, I do feel like it is just bringing down some walls, you know? Like things things tend to that way. Things tend that way, you know? Do you um you remember in your research uh Second edition, first edition D&D way back in the day. Like, are you aware of what was required to become a bard? No. You had to get, I mean, Jimmy, look this up. You had to get like four levels in fighter, which they called like fighting man at the time. And then you had to go swing over and get like two levels of rogue. And then you had to go get like a level of wizard before you could take your first level in bard. You know what I mean? I kind of like that. Old school game. The old school games were more limited in some of those mechanical things. But to me, that's, I don't know. I like it. And here, and I get why that would be fun. Now I don't know that, that would be fun, but I got to, we got to remember this is a time before the internet. This is a time when TV sucked still kind of, you had a lot less options yeah, okay, for your time and for your entertainment. So, you know, you could read books, mm-hmm. watch whatever weird stuff was on TV at the time. Cause it was still, Trying to figure and out. And then you can meet your buddies on Saturday to roll dice and hope that your mage with one dang casting a mis- magic missile for a day oh didn't my die. Gosh. <laughs> I, read, uh, I read a great... Um, wait, hold on. But I want to bring this back. Honestly, yeah. I want to talk about this because I did not read this article, but I was wondering if you had wheelchairs. Battle wheelchairs. Yeah. Battle wheelchairs. That Battle wheelchairs. what it is. So I didn't read the article. I just assumed because I was like, how else do you do this? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it is a weird thing. It is a weird thing because I think I think what maybe the overall thing that we're getting to is um, how much reality we want in our fantasy. You know what I mean? And it's a little esoteric. It's a little bit out there. You know what I mean? Um, I always thought that was kind of the point was that you didn't. You had none of this. Mm-hmm. Right. Why do we have a need for our... And and I'm I'm here to talk about it. I'm not here to really yeah, have a really strong. Yeah, I'd love to speak strong... to somebody who has more of a, a, a <clears throat> first person experience here. Right, right. But well, I'm having trouble finding that. Spot. Right. Why are we trying to drag our 21st century principles into a fantasy setting? I guess that's that's kind of the question. Yeah. Just, just, just why? You know. But like also, why would you want that? Well, I again, mean, and also, who? Why does it need to be? Uh, why did I, to me again just instead of it actually being inclusive right this to me does not signal inclusivity on mm-hmm. wizards of the coast it's ooh we like the attention we've been getting mm-hmm. here let's find new in other creative ways to signal virtue and to be disingenuous yes. about this inclusion and so that we can benefit Vir- virtue signaling yeah, yeah. they're not yeah. they're not doing this out of the kindness of their own hearts no corporation is and no corporation does. To me, it's just so obvious. So when I'm seeing other reactions to it be positive, I guess I'm just like, you're not this dumb, are you? Mm-hmm. And oh, I'm sorry, I, I, you know, nobody's dumb. Nobody has any differences. Right, right. And and now, so these these are the questions. You know what I mean? And this is the kind of stuff that does it keeps me up at night. You know what I mean? <laughs> I walk my dog. I walk my dog at two in the morning, and I think about okay, what would we do? What would a society really do if we were just, there's no getting around the fact that we're half as tall as everybody with the attendant. We're not as fast. We're not as strong. What would we do? You know, 
Um, cater to ourselves. Well, isolate. One. Isolate is key. But okay, so so one of the things I thought about was would would halflings be really paranoid? You know. And now here's a scary real world parallel that I just thought of the other day. Okay. Think about the realities of the difference between the average male human strength in real life versus the average female human strength in real life. Right. And Not think the about strongest female to the average. Like we're talking average. Average day-to-day across the board stuff, right? Right. I mean, and, and this is where, you know, it do, you do need to be cognizant of your privilege in real life. We're yeah. talking about where it crosses over into fantasy here, but... Uh, it was it was a, a sad realization for me a couple years ago that so many women that I know don't feel comfortable walking around at night. It, yeah. Don't feel comfortable I jogging that, yeah. late at night. You know what I mean? So now be a halfling. You know what I mean? And think about when they're at that tavern. You know what I mean? Where, yeah, if everybody's cool, maybe you don't need to be worried. But a certain amount of hobbits would have to walk into a human establishment with their head just on a paranoid swivel. Like anybody who wants to grab you up. Yeah, well, and even if can you can theoretically grab you up. Even if you know everyone's cool, right? You're still you still have it in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. I am gonna relate this to an actual thing that happened. You were there, and it, it's when I really realized a couple of things. I walked in, saw a really pretty girl at the bar, and, and I was single for the first time in life for like six years. And thought, you know what? I'm going to go talk to her. And when I did, the first thing out of her mouth was, I'm not going to go home with you. Basically just saying, she's not going to sleep with me. And Mm -hmm. in my mind, because I was in a relationship for six years, I don't think that way, was like, what? Mm -hmm. It didn't occur to me that women in social situations always have to be on their guard. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know me. I'm going here because I'm an idiot. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to find romance. And I encouraged you. Yeah. But but I mean, hey, you're supposed to. It was it was a good experience. Mm -hmm. I handled myself very well. But you did. You did. uh, But she was like, well, then why would you want to buy me a drink? And I was like, I don't know. We can talk. And she's like, well, then here her husband or boyfriend came up and she was like, oh, but we can still talk. I was like, I don't think we can. But you enjoy that drink. Mm-hmm. But I was literally in my mind was like, ooh, I'm going to find romance in a bar, which doesn't happen really, I guess. But I don't I don't know. I wasn't thinking that way. And again, mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about uh going I probably wouldn't have been able to perform anyway. But the point is Whoa. on her, and she was immediately having to be on her guard. She yeah. thought she was being preyed yeah. upon, yeah. in which I thought I was being cordial and and even if I was, it doesn't matter. There's setting. Mm-hmm. There's there's mm-hmm. expectations. In this late night karaoke bar, if you were a person who came up wearing your sweater vest and your slippers and wanted to actually have a conversation with the person, you probably would be in the minority. Yeah. So her her radar is not really miscalibrated to approach it in that way. And is that kind of where you're going with yeah, it? Yeah, she's she was it was just I don't have that mm-hmm. mindset. I've never been predatory. Mm-hmm. So me approaching You've also um, never been prey. That actually not true. Okay. I, I can go to that. Um she going back I forget. Well, she had her reaction to you based on her own experiences and based on the situation. And it's what kind of got me thinking. Like, mm-hmm. oh, women have, uh, women are the, have to be this way. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I'm not, but I'm in the m- minority for sure. Right. So it, it is kind of, 
taking it back to some of the fantasy stuff, it is kind of some of that collision of real life and fantasy stuff. You know, like, like go back to the Shire. Any single group of orcs or, you know, quote fingers like bad men, you know, like the Corsairs or whomever, you know, all it would take is any of those guys to find the Shire. And the Shire is a bunch of, it seems like they're non-combatants, you know, yeah. for the most part. It seems like they're peaceful farmers and stuff. And it's like they're and, tubers. And again, just they're three feet tall, you know. Now, does that, in your usual fantasy game, okay, the two points or whatever of strength attribute that a, a hobbit halfling loses is made up for pretty directly by getting that little dexterity bonus, okay, but just on more of a, like, social, like, non-combat situation. Like, if you got got, you got snuck up on, yeah, that orc has you. That orc has you. What? What are you going to, you know? You're also... T- how do you prevent that from happening? Does every... Okay, I got, I got three whistle? different ideas. You didn't know. You walked into my trap here. Yeah? I got three different, three different ideas. One, are they just paranoid isolationists? When the bad guys come, do they just bail? Now, your Tolkien hobbits at the Shire, that's not the play because they've got too much stuff. Right. You know what I mean? They've got their they, ho- hovels. Yeah. Are they going to unpack all their all their tea in China and, like, you know, run deeper <laughs> into the, the holes with it? Maybe. Maybe. But rule one would be, like, board everything up, be super nomadic, be ready to just, boom, we're gone, you know? Option two, I like this one a lot, is would we develop, like, a very um, a very duo binary kind of um culture you know would hobbits like have a lot of twin births would they um stick together as like buddy or married pairs or or however they would do it would would it kind of be like a buddy system like we are never outside the shire without two of us Mm -hmm. you know anytime we can do it we want two to one anytime we can do it we want two to one us versus tall people you know is that is that part of it? And then the third option is, are we kind of similar to um, kind of the general vibe that you'd think of like Israel having? You know what I mean? Is military service and training mandatory yeah. for every single one of us? Which is clearly not Tolkien Shire Hobbits, but would that be how real world, quote fingers, real world? So you brought up where, how much real world do we do we bring to things? How much real world do you want in your fantasy? How much well, here, fantasy do you want in your real world? I think there's world? a problem, though, here is that you don't get to just chew, pick and choose very well. You're not going to be able to just pick and choose the good. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to bring more real in, then you're going to be bringing more real. And with real, there are other things that you don't want. Mm-hmm. There are prejudices. And there are preconceptions of things that would come. You're just going to assume only this one particular part of this i just don't it's it you start to really tread on believability for me right and right and 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 that's the thing is with these games okay with with any story you need certain things to be consistent you need certain things to be consistent for people to hang there that verisimilitude right that suspension of disbelief you need them to be able to hang that stuff on it you know what i mean so I don't think it's incorrect to for us to go a three foot tall person, all other variables aside, is not going to be as strong as a six foot tall person. Um, 
What do what do we do? I'm bringing it back to this wheelchair thing, but like we got we're let's go. I'm gonna mix this with the Lord of the Rings. We're part of the 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 fellowship, and we're going up the mountain, and we're on this icy ass mountain, and Billy with his battle wheelchair is trying to get up this mountain with us. How does that work? Where this is it's now, so I got a whole I got a whole funny parody campaign working already about we're gonna be the fantasy D D uh ADA. We're gonna be the yeah. ADA compliance officers <laughs> and we're gonna be citing liches or whomever yeah. for uh not having a ramp. Okay, yeah, that, this, this is that sounds that sounds coarse to me saying it. That sounds not considerate of real ju- life, but it is a fantasy it's thing. It's still kind of funny. You know, yeah. Of course or not, it's funny. Like, oh, um, I'm sorry, but uh, you don't have a ramp up to your uh, hobbit or your dwarf fortress. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, well, no, the dwarves would because the dwarves would get more stuff and be like, oh, we need to make stairs and ramps. Done. We yeah. were going to we were looking for something else to build. Anyway. Yeah. And but, it makes them more money because they get more customers. But still, you know, mm-hmm. like, how does this how do you mm, you really I guess I'm just that so, one. I'm getting that's my sticking. <clears throat> I think I think <clears throat> that's where I'm sticking at is you start bringing in what I think a lot of people are trying to escape from. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can I can I keep a nice solid wall? But then again, then again, these games are for everybody. They're for people to do different ways. Yeah, and who's you know? to say though that in the one-offs or whatever there is somebody didn't just create a role for that? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how official the whole battle wheelchair thing was. The I mean, thing that I saw was they're no longer requiring in 5e attunement for prosthetic items. Like if you've got an eye replacement, like that used to take up an attunement slot. Okay. And now, now you don't unless it's better than a regular eye, which I mean, that makes sense to me. Okay. On, on a gameplay fairness basis, that makes a ton of sense. If you want magical eye replacements that aren't better than regular eyes... I mean, all my DM instincts say, sure, man, <laughs> why yeah. not? You know, but if it does something else, then then it is an enhancement. You know? Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's not. But so so let me jump right back, though, real quick. So I was saying if you're a, a, a halfling and you're three feet tall, you're not as strong as somebody else. Or or are you? You know what I mean? Like, if you are, then one that flies in the face of what we know about physics and biology a little bit. So it's hurting my suspension of disbelief. But then two... If I, because I always had this weird player idea, I wanted to make a hobbit, a halfling. I keep saying hobbit. Yeah. I wanted to make a halfling who had been hit with a permanent and large person spell. So he was medium (laughs) size. So he would have all the like halfling fluff, but be, be quote fingers, uh, uh, my privilege, uh, normal size. Yeah. You know, he would be a medium humanoid. I just thought that would be fun and stupid. I, to me, you, you, I don't know. I just hope it doesn't go too far to where it does kind of vanillaize every well, single thing. Oh, oh let me hop back. Let me hop back. Cause this is actually something that was a problem for me with Pathfinder. Okay. I love Pathfinder first edition. It's my favorite of the major kind of quote fingers, major yeah. tabletop RPGs. In Pathfinder First Edition, if if people aren't familiar with it, you could essentially trade out almost any facet of your character's race and your character's class almost too, right? Okay. If you wanted an animal companion and you were a fighter, 
there's probably a archetype, an archetype for your class that lets you do that. You would trade away things that would make it still game balanced, theoretically. Yeah. Okay. But you need to have, we talked about consistency, right? We talked about structure, okay? If you are living in a world where elves are, typical thing for elves, immune to sleep magic, okay? Then, and it's always a fun thing. What does your character know? What does your character know? What's their experience? But I don't think it would be, if you live in a world where every single elf is immune to sleep magic, I feel like that would be something they tell you at first day of human magic school. (laughs) Hey, by the way, this might come up. Don't ever do this. Yeah, it's not going to help Don't do this because they just, they, they don't even have to save. You just blew a spell slot. You're dead now, you know? But you could have traded that away in Pathfinder, okay? Your knowledge or... or You could have traded away your sleep immunity as an elf. So if you were really, really like meta-meta-ing, you would probably be like, yeah, hey, I did trade away my sleep thing, but nobody needs to know about that. And nobody's ever going to try to put me to sleep because they know, right? So same thing if all of a sudden like orcs aren't... Sorry for clumsy terms. If orcs aren't dumb. If halflings, uh, small player races in general aren't less strong, then, you know, you're, you're really pulling out all my Jenga blocks that allow me to continue to sustain my disbelief. It's part of the, it's part of the thing that makes it interesting to begin with. So you, if you start taking away that you, Mm -hmm. you're losing. These are deep, these are deep concepts. You know what I mean? These are deep concepts that have been with the D and D game since its inception. And I'm for changes. I'm for changes. I'm for updating things and making them. Uh, I'm for changes that make things better, though. Um, and okay, that's nebulous. I'm for changes that improve game mechanics. I'm for changes that. Um, I think the, some of this kind of stuff is a symptom of our of our time now, of our lives being. Yeah. Everything. We always think, oh man, things are. A certain way because we all have front row seats to everybody's thoughts now. Yep. Yep. And I got back on Twitter last week. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. Even Baldwin got off Twitter, man. Even Baldwin left Twitter. It but had been so long since I had been on Twitter, I still followed Bill Cosby. Well, that, yeah. That's, that's how long it's been since I'd signed into Twitter. It was yeah. pre, pre any of the Bill Cosby scandal. I mean, we tweet for the business and for general nerdery, but. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's in all in general staying off of social media is like on my number one to do list on, lately. We all have these front row seats to every single thing mm-hmm. now, right? You yeah. think, oh man, the world's so bad. Oh, this is happening. Oh, everybody's complaining about this thing when no, there are so many people out there mm-hmm. not complaining about this, yeah. but there's a vocal Vocal minority. Even if it's a, vo- a, t- a t- it feels like a lot of people. Not everybody's complaining that orcs are too dumb. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't even hear this. Who's complaining about that? Who's complaining about it? The people who wanted to make orc wizards. I, I mean, that's what it is. Obviously, <laughs> you know what? No one's telling you for your campaign. At home, you have to adhere to every single rule. Be that diamond in the rough, uh, one in a million, uh, homebrewed, intelligent. Work it out with your, you know, work it out with your DM. But why, when you start making game level changes Mm -hmm. and you start deciding this for everyone, that's, uh, ooh, 
That's why. Uh, but yeah, I just don't. I don't think that. Sorry, you're, Jimmy. You're, you're real, yeah, Jimmy. Sorry, Jimmy's a metal case. <laughs> don't tell him who Jimmy is. <laughs> we have employees. Um, I think there's where I you start I'm, running I think the I'm line. Following what you're saying. Yeah, you yeah. don't. Uh, you don't need to. It's just things that don't need to be messed with. No one's telling you how something has to be until you are being told something is, you know, the way it is. So, I mean, it's, it, an, it's an interesting thing to try to run it back, but I guarantee you that it is um, the, the impetus for this. I would bet you is people who wanted to play orc wizards and it's people who wanted to play halfling gosh dang barbarians, you know, and really nobody's telling you you can't be an orc wizard. They're just telling you that, your orc wizard might not be optimized. And this is, this yeah, is, let me optimized. hit you. Let We're starting to min-max here. That's another one where the terminology is important to keep the walls up. Optimizing and min-maxing and being a munchkin are all different things. You know, there's, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with wanting your character to be somewhat optimized. You don't want your character to not be good at what they do. You certainly don't want them to not be useful within the party. Right. But, I think this is a function of, excuse me, this is a function of modern times in which you can get on message boards. How old am I? Gosh, you can get on, you can get on. I mean, really, that's what all this is anyway. You're still message boards. You get on, you get on forums and stuff like this and you can, people talk all the time. People talk all the time in games, in video games, in role-playing games. What's an optimized build? Right. What's a twist I can put on this to make something that's super strong. And I mean, that's a problem too with people coming from video games. Yeah. You know, people come from a video game. They think I need to be as, as badass, as powerful as I can possibly be. And, um, I don't know about five E cause five E and, and Pathfinder two, two, we do have a little bit like more structure in terms of like when you get items and things like that. So there is, um, a little bit of an expected flow on stuff, but, in in tabletop RPGs in general and in video games, your your power is not coming from your build, man. It's coming from the game. You yeah. know what I mean? It's it's I don't care what equipment I get at character gen because the dungeon is gonna provide for me all the rest of the stuff that I want. This makes me think specifically about when I used to play uh, Diablo two. Diablo two. I loved Diablo two. Great. What was that? Ninety seven. Ninety eight. Ninety seven. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, here's what they used to do. You would create a sorceress Mm -hmm. and you would build her in a way that you became a warrior, a fighter. Yeah. So you could just build this sorceress in a way you would use like, you'd create like, you'd bring your strength up like insane and you'd put points into very specific things that brought your armor up your defense up mm-hmm. and then you'd run around with a two-handed sword wrecking people it was possible mm-hmm. was that game at all built to use her as that no not at all that was stupid people thought it was really stupid when people started doing this but then mm-hmm. we all figured out how to kind of make it work and you would see them in pvp winning yeah. but winning against sorceresses so it was really about <clears throat> you at that point, your skill. So mm-hmm. that's almost more interesting is you take something that wouldn't normally be at all optimized or even mm-hmm. relevant. So you be a, uh, a barbarian halfling and you find a way to build that character with what you have to make it useful. 
no, maybe you're not going to turn into the Arnold Schwarzenegger of that D&D match, you know, match, but D&D campaign. But right. I think that's more interesting because you've had to take this and overcome it and still mm-hmm. find a way to make it work. Right. And, and sorry, let me jump back to because as much as the optimizing is somewhat, and I'm, I'll say the over-optimizing, the yeah. optimizing at the sacrifice of other things, making that your, your North Star. That is also a facet of modern times with modern communication. You know what I mean? Think about doing this 30 years ago. Think about playing D&D with a book and maybe a magazine. Yeah. You know, and and uh, back in the very proto days, I read this great graphic novel. I think it was called Rise of the Dungeon Master. It was a great graphic novel um, telling of the founding of D&D. And they're going back and forth between Arneson and Gygax with interviews from both of those guys and telling like how who they were and how they started out. Dudes would call them. They would call them on the phone. Yeah. They'd call them on the phone. Hold on, <laughs> wait, man. You guys you guys ever heard of long distance? Yeah. If people would call them on the phone long distance at like two in the morning and try to get a a, a rules ruling from Gary Guy <laughs> at his home in like, you know, wherever he lived. I forget, Wisconsin. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. That sounds but, right. But um, so that's the thing. We, you, you used to have to figure out so much on your own. And um, you, you would have had to do it through trial and error. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You would have had to. You, you didn't have the resources now to go ask somebody, what's a good build? You know, I want to I wanna be a warlock, but I want to do this. What's a good build? You know, and, yeah. and, and that crowd mind, that hive mind makes it so much easier to optimize that I think it makes it 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 makes it more appealing to people. You yeah. know, back in the day, if your if your strength was not optimized for a fighter, you dealt with that. Yeah. You dealt with that. You know, especially you think about um man, ability score generation. That's a great another way to look at who we are now versus who we were then. You know what I mean? Back in the day, back in the day, I feel like you rolled those dice, you took those scores, you dealt with it. Yeah. You know? I think that's still a valid way to play. Um, I just I think it is too, but I don't man, maybe I'm maybe I'm overly aware of what I see on like Reddit and stuff like that, but maybe. I feel like I feel like a lot of people don't want to do it if you're not optimized for it. You know what I mean? Now, see, pro- see, you know what? That's because that's the echo chamber. You know, mm-hmm. the people that are interested enough in this you know? to go on Reddit, mm-hmm. to go talk about this stuff are the min-maxer guys. Those are the guys really de- delving in. Mm-hmm. I would say probably a majority of players out there who are interested aren't doing this, aren't looking at it. I'd like to know. I'd like to yeah. know, I guess. Um, you know what I think? I, for me, the first game that did this for me because i hate i hate when the numbers i hate when you know the numbers too much you yeah. know what i mean once you have the numbers then you have the optimized way you have the best way to do it world of warcraft world of warcraft was the first game maybe because the numbers were available maybe because it was one of those first things that was so huge that right. everybody was doing and comparing notes on and talking about you know there was a way to be a dps hunter there was a way to be a Burning Crusade DPS hunter. And if you didn't do it this way, then you weren't doing it right. Right. You weren't doing it. That's an MMO uh, it's issue. An MMO it's thing. an MMO. Like, I, I think people were doing that with EverQuest. Okay. You know, but I don't Warcraft know. Warcraft was, was the first one I noticed. That. World of Warcraft was the first mainstream. Oh, well, actually, Evercrack. 
but World of Warcraft got all of mm-hmm. its stuff from EverQuest. Final Fantasy XI. Ultima Online, shout out. Yeah, Ultima Online, though, <laughs> like, I don't think that, that was, that's so sandboxy that Ultima Online was, I don't think they have like a, hey, here's this mini You know, and, and that's the kind of stuff I like. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to they say might, is though, that yeah. the numbers strip away the mystique. As soon as there's a right way to do it, then I, I feel like, why are we even doing this? You know, it hurt me so much with a game like Terraria. Yeah. Terraria. Um, just when I found out how many guns there were, you know what I mean? Like you find out what that number is and you go, you know, part of you should be like, wow, there's like 32 guns. Cool. Yeah. But for me, man, if, if, if the number would have been shorter, less, fewer, and I didn't know it, I enjoy that so much more. On the opposite side, I think I might sit completely opposite here. Not because mm-hmm. uh, I still don't love the min-max thing. It makes me feel bad because I always feel... I always screw up the min-max. I always put a point in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. But if there isn't a way to do that, if I can't screw it up, then I'm also like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Because you're not proving to me, or I'm not proving to myself that I have any knowledge or skill or intelligence to do this. I'm proving that the game knows how to hold my hand all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. So I I want the ability. It's it's a double-edged sword. I don't sure. want to min-max, sure. but I want the ability to screw it up and build my own thing mm-hmm. and put the points in the wrong spot. And this is where, too, you know, when 30 years ago you didn't engage with the community in the way that you do now. Right. It was just your table. If you were lucky, it was your city, you know, or your town. Mm-hmm. And you might have a couple different tables. You might have a couple different games that you were in. But it, you were comparing yourself against five people, yeah. 10 people. You know, now, you know, you've got 30,000 people in R slash fifth edition Elf Ranger, probably. Yeah, putting up on tables like best, mm-hmm. you know, dual scimitar yeah. build. Yeah. And- like, what should I get a perk or an ASI for uh, my level four at my druid? You know, like, um, th- that's one that actually, I'm trying to be cooler about this because my old schoolness crops up and I see all these guys asking, how should I do this? What should I do? Right. And and you know what? I mean, it's cool to have that option. It's awesome to have that option. But you know what? Not to be all like when I was a kid. But when I was a kid, you figured that stuff out on your own, man. That's like kind of the interesting. Like to do that, do you start bringing other people's in on this? It's I don't know. I, yeah. To me, I lose my value. Some things, some things are rule questions, and for a okay, for rule a rule question, question you'd you'd want more help. You'd want more help if they're if we're looking for a can this be done within the framework of the rules as they're written. Yeah, that you makes want sense. Help, but a lot of things are calls. A lot of things are judgment calls for you, the DM, to make. And when you were just the little god king deity of your own little table and your own little friend group, like. You figured this stuff out on your own, man. You know, you, not everybody's meant to not be everybody's a DM. Built like that. Not everybody's independent. You know, I don't know, man. I you kind of want that in a DM, though. A good DM is, uh, and I don't think I don't know. Maybe somebody would say no, no. But a good DM is somebody who can be rain taker. It can be the person yeah. that says you need to be able to make ad hoc judgments. I'm making the judgment. Mm-hmm. that's what we're going with. And then you just stay consistent throughout that campaign. Mm-hmm. You say, or, you know, you go, okay, you know what, maybe you're right, but we're going to go ahead and 
We need to do it this, this way right now in the flow of the game because yeah. I, I can't take the five minutes to go look up how grappling works right now. Yeah, so we're, we're going to do this now this way. And then if you tell me I'm wrong, yeah. we'll, we'll address it for the next session. You yeah. know what I mean? We'll we'll figure this out in some downtime and we'll try to get it right going forward. I do that Dude, And that's still lot. just a rule call. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, if you're talking more. Should I? Oh, oh man. Oh, this, this was one. And we, we could just talk about. I could just talk about topics I've seen on Reddit DMing threads yeah. for like three hours. But uh, a guy was, should I encourage, that was the word, should I encourage my players to open up a tavern? You know, that was that was the one sentence thing. Dig into it a little bit deeper. Um, the, guy, the guy's talking about, you know, the, the basis behind it. The players kind of want to do it. One guy really wants to do it. Open a tavern? Open a tavern. Oh, dude, this is the second most thing that ha- i always maybe wrongly i always think players will jump on a boat if they find out that there's a boat yeah they will jump on a boat and then you have a 30 percent chance of your campaign becoming a pirate campaign yeah that's a high high risk <laughs> of happening but the other thing is opening a a, a tavern i think that happens i think that happens in a lot what? Of wait why you get some money you get a little bit more money than you know what to do with. You know, you hit a dragon horde or something like that. The first thing players invest in is a tavern. I, I wish there was a way to say look this up to you. How do you? How do you even? Jimmy, like, pull up the numbers. Yeah, give me give me the scenario. <laughs> how in many which parties end up uh, opening taverns? I have no interest in opening a tavern. In well, okay, okay, and that's, that's so crazy. That's the thing, right? But but for me, okay, for me, snap judgment, Johnny on the spot, gotta Why take would a you shot need to encourage them too. Well, I my immediate answer, and I, one of my maturity levels with Reddit anymore is I jump into a thread and I look first and see if somebody said what I was going to say, and then I just yeah. upvote it instead of just going in and typing what I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, to me, though, the immediate answer is, do you want to do it? Do you, the DM, have interest in this? You know what I mean? Because it's your game, too, and that's really easy to lose sight of. You're the DM. It's your game, too. And you need to have fun, too. And that's even easier to lose sight of. So when you use a word like encourage, that tells me your players are, you know, they're not begging you to do this. The guy didn't say, should I tell them no or tell them yes? He said, should I encourage them? So they're talking about this. They're thinking about it. Yeah. And then you read further into it. And this this poor DM, I feel like I feel like so many DMs are like addicted to letting the players do whatever they want. And that's not it. That's not the game. Right. You know what I mean? Like There's you, an you, easy you, medium somewhere you there. You have to rein them in. You have to be permissive. You, you want them to be able to do what they want to do, but within some kind of framework. So reading further into the guy's thread, he wasn't that into it. He even said, like, I don't want to get into trying to DM a resource management tavern That's what simulator. I was thinking. Like, who's yeah. playing D&D to be a yeah. resource well, manager? Like, and, and this, this is just like everything else, though. You know what I mean? Like you got to figure out what the players actually really want. What's going to satisfy them. You know what I mean? If it's yeah. like, if it's like, okay, give Boris the innkeeper a hundred thousand gold piece dollars for, you know, onsite improvements and <laughs> tell him you're going to charge him like 8% interest. You know what I mean? Like you could keep it yeah. that simple. You know what I mean? Money goes in, money goes out. Like, but, but then I'm, it's I'm, a DM and you have to start keeping track of compound interest yeah how boring is that how boring is that it's boring enough sometimes <laughs> as it is yeah you know so so to me it's just if you didn't want to do it th- there's your answer right there yeah you know what i mean like hey guys 
I know you. I know you want to do the tavern thing. You but know. But why would but... he? Why would that? Why is that the? Uh, I just uh, the, the the brains here are, are, aren't really working for me because I'm stuck on the sentence. Should I encourage them to do anything, um, especially if you don't want to? Why should you encourage this? Right. But that's how DM permissiveness can go south. I'm gonna need to write a pamphlet pretty soon. On my DM takes, like you, you can, you can, you. Let giving them, them what, what they, they want is a drug. Yeah, giving them what they want is different than encouraging them to do the thing you don't want. Right. It's right. not. It's like, oh, fine, I'll give you heroin, or mm-hmm. hey, you want some heroin? You should try this heroin. Yeah. Those are different well, concepts. I don't know. The, I just this the, maybe he just wrote down yeah, a sentence. Yeah. That, you know, I, I thought for a minute maybe this was an ESL case and maybe encourage wasn't actually the word that this right wanted to use. But yeah, um, you know, here nor there because should then, I permit them basically? Yeah, there though too. Like my my brain wants to tear it all the way up, and I would need to know exactly what they said. Yeah, exactly how into it they are. You know. Yeah. Like take a quick vote around the table. That is true. You know that's super super valid because I don't know how many times. I have these moments at work where somebody says, this thing is has to happen soon or this person's upset. And I'm like, what was the sentence they said? And it's usually something like, I'm not sure why this isn't working. And you're like, how is this translating for you as some sort of urgent, the world's going to end? Mm-hmm. So I'm not picking that up from the flow. Yeah. yeah. So they could have been like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to do that? Oh, yeah, I guess kind of. And then it was over mm-hmm. and he got stuck in his head. They really want a tavern. Well, that's a DM thing to do, too, though. Yeah. You know, that's a DM thing to do, too. I mean, and, and you know, a DM as like an authoritative service thing that's the mindset that you have to have, you know, like to be a service mindset, but an authority can be a hard line for people to straddle. It it, yeah. it is tricky sometimes, you know, cause you want to let them do what they want to do. And, and you want to like, if somebody, if, if a person around my table, like if one of the quiet people said like, Hey, you know, maybe we should invite, maybe we should invest in a tavern. Like I would want to seize on that. You know, I'd want to be like, yes, yes, Shane. Let's talk about that because it's it, because the because the idea exploring it's that is interesting. It's investment. It's it's metaphorical and literal investment. In one of those situations, um, I think my choice here is to let that play out. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go either way on something like that. Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't personally want that to happen. So if I was a DM, I would want to be like, let's steer them away from this, mm-hmm. but. I would feel like I don't, I shouldn't do either way on mm-hmm. that, that specific one. I think that's that's one of those teachable moments where that might be a good time to take off your DM hat. You know what I mean? And engage with your friends and go, hey guys, you know, um, I just, I don't have any personal interest in adjudicating this. Yeah. You know, I don't have any real interest in looking up a subset of Matt Coville rules on strongholds and fortresses. If you really wanted, if you really hated the idea and they still wanted to do it, you just find a good, fair way to ruin everything for them. <laughs> that can be a slippery slope I mean, too, it, though, it, man. You it's, know, it's I, I running. Uh, uh, what you just so all you have to do is just put all of the management mm, on them. Mm, okay, all right. You give know, them what they want. Give them more give than them what they what want. They want okay. And and okay. make sure that they are keeping their numbers perfect. Because mm-hmm. if they don't, then they didn't want it. And then it's easy for you to get you know what, it, you have know, them. That's go. when that's when all of a sudden your your little village or region in your campaign discovers taxes. <laughs> I mean, and, they probably were already taxed. And they discover like building codes and uh, health 
agency. I mean, I, whatever. What's in the game? I don't know. Is there even? Is there? Uh, is there rules for this? Uh, has that innkeeper gruel like has that been kept at like food safety temperatures all right. day? Yeah. Uh, and, but to, but truly, like, is there any? Are, are there pre-written rules for running a tavern? Now, when you want to say running a tavern specifically, there's not anything, I don't think, official in 5e for that. Why does this happen so much then? I'm telling you, and this is very anecdotal. This is me talking about it very anecdotally. I've never actually had a campaign as a player or as a DM where that's happened. Okay. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, it's a natural outlook. Okay. Um, Old school, original D&D had rules by which it, I think it was specifically for more fighting classes. You would at some point uh, experience level gains. Now you would qualify for a stronghold or a fortress. Now you would qualify for these many followers. What do you like do? this was built into the game. What do you do with them? I think, I think they did put out supplements that included rules for that, that I don't, I don't know. I didn't read those books. I don't think they were like that involved. I don't think it became like, a big part of your day but i do think there was some amount of like all right well this is the money coming into your fortress this is the money going out what do you want to do with the fortress you know it's all about it's all about implementation yeah you know that to me you works work, you, maybe in a video game. You. well i mean like I, it does but not on paper not in the uh, not on the <clears> table <throat> like you if you somehow were able to merge uh like AR almost or something, you know, mm-hmm. like you're able to merge the computer, like a computer simulator to let the computer crunch the numbers, let that move mm-hmm. around things, send out, you know, you say, Oh, I'm going to send out a, a search party or something. I can click a button and it does that. And we're playing the game. Yeah. 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 If that becomes <clears throat> even because you, that I don't know how you could do that without it becoming a huge part. It kind of goes to what do you and don't you gloss over? What do you dig into and what do you just slide over? You know what I mean? How many how many DMs do you think you said something about search parties? Yeah. How many DMs do you think like it comes to something like wilderness survival or tracking or something like that where they're kind of just like I know there are parts I know there are parts of games for me that I gloss over. Yeah. What is something that you have almost never seen as a player a few times with me? A trap. Uh you've yeah. almost never seen me put a trap into a dungeon. Did you was that not? Was that your game? Yeah, no, no, no. Maybe once or twice, man. Was, but- a, was it? Yeah, there wasn't. Wasn't there some traps in this one cave where we were playing? We had Wigget. It was uh, it was Merpin's character, and we could fall into a pit. And I Maybe. used a rope. You tied a rope around yourself and jumped through a portal one time. Oh, yeah, a couple times. But yeah. there was another one. I think that she saw the traps. Maybe, maybe she I did, but I'm telling you, if that happened, then that was a departure from my usual, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there are just, I, what I do though too is you got to read the room, right? Yeah. If anybody in there was like, I'm a thief, I am an expert at trap detection and disarming, then I'd be like, well shit, I got to put some traps in here. Yeah. You know, but most of the time if you're sitting, like, like if you guys came in and didn't have a rogue in a party, what are the odds that I'm going to give you a locked door? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... Probably pretty slim, right? I don't know. Maybe you should give a lot of locked doors so they teach them a lesson. <laughs> Bring a rogue. <laughs> like if nobody if nobody specializes in grappling, then I do simplified, easy dice roll contest grapples. You know what I mean? I don't care what the system does for grapples. 
unless somebody specializes in it. If somebody takes the time to learn how the grappling system works, and I'm going to meet them there. Yeah. If they put a feet into it, I'm going to meet them there. So I think the overarching kind of lesson to be to be learned, if there's a lesson to be learned at all, is that Dungeons and Dragons is about you, your table, mm-hmm. and how you customize it yeah. on your own. And it doesn't matter what all gets chosen. You know, if there's if you feel that your table needs if, brilliant orcs, have brilliant orcs. If battle wheelchairs fit into your campaign and your table, muzzle top, do it. You know, if if buff strong halflings are are what's good for you, then do it. If 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 taking the whole concept of race and species out of the game and giving everybody just the same static kind of movable bonuses was really what worked for you, you know, then then go get it. You know, you're right. Go get it. It isn't about how we believe things should be, even though it's hard mm-hmm. to not be that way. It's, it's about, yeah, it's yeah. about it's about inclusive because why are you playing a game if you aren't trying to include everybody? Right. Yeah. Yeah. If some if somebody comes to your table and they want to have a battle wheelchair, then all of a sudden, then all the dungeons do have ramps. You know, that's not no no tweak like that is too much if it is enhancing everybody's enjoyment. You know, it doesn't need to be everybody. I am big on that. I don't want to give anybody something that's going to detract from somebody else. Right. If one person really wants to be uh, a gypsy, but the other people find gypsies uh, insulting. It is culturally insensitive yeah. for some people. Yeah. yeah. So that's another to, That's another one. Yeah. yeah. It's a balance, I guess. Mm-hmm. It is. And that's where, oh my gosh, like informed consent. You know what I mean? Like communication. Like like when you take your, your DM hat off and talk to your gaming group as a regular guy and say, hey, you know what, guys? I worked really hard on this one thing and, and you didn't do it. And that's okay. I know stuff happens, you know, but, or, or I'm, I'm just not having fun. You know what I mean? Sometimes you need to check in with the person, you know, do you guys want to try this other thing? Or, you know, I had an idea about this, but I don't want to take a lot of my time writing it up if it's not a hook that appeals to you guys. So on a little bit of a like soft, like ask, uh, floating the idea, how do you feel about invading the Underdark? You know, and some of your guys are going to be like, I, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go underground. I don't like dark elves as antagonists. Well, that upsets me because that's wrong. Some of the best <laughs> stories came out of the Underdark. Well, and, and, and <laughs> not, not to jump us too far back topics, but I mean, that is part of the whole like in almost in lockstep with the whole like, how do we as 21st century principled? mostly society feel about saying certain species are less intelligent. How do we feel about saying that certain species are quote fingers evil? You know, back in the day, go pick up one of these old monster manuals. I have on my shelf. I'm sure it'll say orc always evil. You know, they did not have at the time rules or much of a concept that you would play an orc, you know, you know what? This is why 40 K is so appealing because <laughs> You, no one's good. You're all evil. You're hey. all terrible. Mm-hmm. You're all horrible. Yeah. And if we're all going to be horrible, we might as well shoot at each other while we're doing it. Might as well. Why not? So, you know, that that's another one I could do a whole hour on. You know what I mean? Like the idea of a culture that's evil. Is it just alien? You know what I mean? But 
then again, we don't have these examples. You know what I mean? Because you're dealing with something that's more alien than what we actually have access to on Earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. We do not have uh, uh, a different people group that lives in a different region that worships an actual real spider god that gives them some kind of magical powers that has resulted in them having a very homicidal, merciless, matriarchal society. We just don't have the real-life examples to, to compare them to. It's probably good. Otherwise, you know, what would World War II have been like when, like, the drow rolled in? Which side are they on? I don't know. How does that go? Drow's on the drow side. Drow's always on the drow side. Well, let's ask the anybody listening. They can let us know. Hey, you know what? That's always good because it is about the conversation. And it's about the communication. So I always love to hear from other people what they think about social justice in, in tabletop role-playing games, um, alternative rules takes. Is always a fun thing to talk about, man. I mean, what are your house rules? I love that. I yeah. love to talk about You know what? Stuff. Let us know if you're listening and you get this far. We appreciate you stopping by and hanging out with us for about this hour and a half. Uh, let us know in the comments, you know, how do you feel about everything we talked about today, specifically exactly what... How do you feel about ADA-compliant ramps in dungeons? I know I would use it. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the General Nerdery Podcast. That's very professional sounding. Good job. Tell them who you are. I'm Shout House. And I am the judge of games. Judge Game. General Nerdery Podcast is brought to you by... Listeners like you. And General Nerdery themselves. Mostly us, for now. Yeah. At this time. <laughs>